Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are on that. We're trying hard to make it through, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, har- I'm heartbroken. All right, so we have Ken McGrath and Larkin on the show today, so it's pretty obvious which game we're going to start with. It's the absolute classic um, comeback by Waterford on Saturday night. Ken, I know you were getting a bit giddy after the match. You said it was the best second-half performance ever by a Waterford team. Now, I'm thinking back to the 2004 Munster final, three points down at halftime. John Milan sent off early in the second half. You actually described that second half as the best second half ever as well. So has, have you passed the mantle on? <laughs> <laughs> that was at the time. No, I, I honestly think it was on Saturday night. Look, nine points down against the Kenny. I think we're, what was it, seven and a half time uh, to go out and produce that performance in the second half. And, our, and our, it's not our semi-final, lads. It was the Munster final, you know, so it was a massive game. Like, And the way they kind of just ran at the Kenny, attacked in waves uh, and really bossed that second half. I, and, and the way they played as well, like the, the standard hurl they played, how they mixed it up. Uh, some of the scores they got, some of the performances, Jack Craig and Stephen Bennett, Austin, uh, I, I thought it was unbelievable. Look, um, for us, we took years to beat Kilkenny. Uh, we bet him the last time, I think, 2017, uh, in another classic game, went to extra time. But to win that in the semi-final up in Crow Park, I, I thought it was, now, and that's not, uh, look, I had probably one or two beers in me at the time. <laughs> 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 I honestly think it was, it was, it was the best, I, I think it was our best second half performance ever. And I think, if you look back at that Munster final, there was a passage of play in that were a tiny bit scrappy at times. Uh, look, that was a mad game as well, but I honestly think Saturday was was for us, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, I, have to, I have to say, I enjoyed a few beers watching that second half myself, Owen. I'm sorry, I've yeah, maybe they're you nice, did. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're nice. I, I, I don't know, did it ruin the taste of your beer, Owen? <laughs> well, kind of. I was, having, I was having a few beers myself as well, and I thought it was just a full half, right? Um, but yeah, look, it was disappointing the second half from Kenny, but like, 
you couldn't take anything away from the Waterford performance. I think they'll be disappointed with the way they played in the first half, albeit, you know, if they had to take their chances, they'd probably be level at half time. But um, I think that you could put that down to, to maybe nerves, you know. Yeah. First, probably senior championship game in Crow Park for a lot of those for a lot of those Waterford players, and you know they could they could have been forgiven for kind of uh, if they had to throw in the towel kind of a half time, and you know say we've been there now, we come back again stronger next year, but they didn't, you know, and I think that's the belief that um, that's the belief that they have in the, in the group now, and you know they never they never waver from their game plan, they stay going, um, and you know you can only you can only have ad- admiration for them and respect for him after the second half performance because as Ken said to be nine points down against Kenny some teams would have folded after that um, and you know that's what Kenny have been good at just killing off teams and, and just seeing out the game but not this Warford team and, I, and and to be fair I said it all week last week that I was very worried about the game um, Waterford have, have been the, team, the farm team coming into it they've improved with every game and Liam Cal can, can take great pride in and, and and you know going into an All-Ireland final the way he's gone into it now, you know, I, I would be fancying him going into that. Like I said, great performance, thoroughly totally deserved and, you know, Kilkenny will just have to lick their wounds, wounds and come back again next year. Yeah, and Kilkenny, I suppose, Ken, they don't have to lick their wounds after semi-finals very often. Brian Cody won 16 and drew one of his 19 semi-finals, which is a phenomenal record. They hadn't lost one since 2005 and they would have been in a lot of them considering, you know, their dominance in Leinster for, for a long time. Like, I mean, how do you turn that around? When when Callum Lyons made that mistake, he tried to rise the ball up and he almost fell over it. Um, John Donnelly scored a point. That put 10 in it, two 10 to seven points. Like, I mean, for me at that stage, I was thinking, and I'd always have a but for Waterford I was thinking geez, this could get very messy now Yeah look it could have but I think that's I suppose the difference in this team to other teams that I suppose even the team I played on uh, especially that if things go against you that they can really turn a switch and, and turn it like that like that takes an awful lot of I suppose belief in themselves and even the confidence in what they're trying to do and they never look like they're dropping their heads even though I said seven points down that mistake by Callum Lyons now, I've seen your tweet as well saying that Callum Nines, what <laughs> 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 well, well, you say, he, he infuriates and he's brilliant at the same time. To me, he's absolutely unbelievable. I, yeah. I, I think uh, the, 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 he's such an athlete. Uh, this is only his second year in the panel and he's, he caught a ball over TJ Reid in the first half there and he, he's unbelievable. Look, he's going he's gonna to make mistakes, but yeah. I'd rather him have a go and make mistakes rather than not. And I think uh, he's definitely after showing, he, he's, he's in that Dermot Burns category he, he takes stopping as a half-back, you know. And that mistake, these things happen. Uh, and it was punished straight away by Kenny. But the way they turned it around, I think the goal, Stephen Bennett's goal was massive. It was a crucial time. Uh, and look, Bennett's having a brilliant year. He's really standing up. He's really leading from the front. And he looks like a, re, a total different player that we saw three or four years ago. Now, he always had that potential. If you saw on the rage of Walker, this fellow was unreal. And he yeah. tried things at times in games. You're going to go, James, how did he, why did he even try that far? He was that type of player, like flicking balls over people's heads, going for mad goals. He, he he goes for goals growing up, he always did. But that goal was massive. That kind of gave him the belief that, look, we're in with a shout here. And then it was just momentum and uh, drove it on. And uh, leading from the front, in that goal, the lad, he got hooked. And such a sh- uh, sharp, real fast, small strike into the corner. That really gave him belief. And that really, we didn't turn, we didn't turn back really, you know. 
No, no, that could, the goal was huge. But I had to trace it back. Um, when they were 10 points down, he scored that point um, on from his own 45. So he took it um, nearly his own 45, like loads of Kilkenny men in front of him. And he just went, feck this, I'm going to bloody, you know, we're not playing well, I'm going to do something. Went on a mad solo run, did did something that I absolutely love watching hurlers do, where you feign to score, to shoot, and you put it back on the hurl. So the lad chasing you is trying to hook you, and now he's all over the place, and now you're completely free. It's almost like magic going. Instead of being hooked, you now you're away free again. But that point put eight in it. And it was almost like he, like uh, you, the camera didn't go on him, but it'd say he turned back to the lads. It goes, come on, lads, to, for God's sake. Yeah. And, and you know what? To, to, have, to have that awareness of what's going on around you and, and do that kind of thing, that, that just doesn't come naturally. That's kind of built in. You either have it or you don't. You know, and that's an awareness on the field that, you know, obviously Stephen Bennett has in abundance. And, you know, as Ken said, he's not afraid to make mistakes. You know, if that ball had to go away, everybody at home in Watford would have been given out, you know, let the ball in or whatever. But he wasn't afraid to, to take the chance. And he knew if it went over, it was going to it was going to inspire the lads. And as you said, if you had to, if the camera had to go on him, he definitely would have been, the, the fists would have been up in some way. <laughs> we kind of associate with Watford over the, over the last, Probably twenty years of fist pumping, but yeah, um, you know, you know, it's 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 like that's that, that's the type of player you need to turn around those those deficits. And you know, he, he wasn't shirking responsibility. He was willing to have a go. And um, you know, he would have probably got, as I said, he'd probably got a, a bit of a battering on Twitter or, or something like that if it, if it had to go away. Then Watford ended up getting bit. But you see the rewards for it. You know, they never looked back really after that. No, no, you know, they didn't. As Ken said. As Ken said, like he deserves massive, massive credit because he had some game. He did. He did. I don't know what it is about Waterford, Ken, and the teams you were on as well. That you'd do something, or Dan would do something, or John Milan, or so. You know, you like something magical would happen, and then you're you, you're kickstarted. I don't know. Would you would you compare that with what Bennett did there? Yeah, look, something similar, I suppose. Look, and that that was probably our downfall at times. We uh we always played on the edge, if you know what I mean, and played under the emotion and being wound up for matches and probably getting the crowd behind us and that's where if things go wrong we probably didn't snap out of that do you know what I'm saying lads where we didn't just be more focused and, and do the basics we, we, all, we were always so high or so low you know where I feel like this team is a bit more kind of grounded and solid but you have that individual spark that he, he did and he, he led like you said that point we ran the whole end of the pitch the goal that goal wasn't on uh, now Fagan done a brilliant catch and Fagan was brilliant on uh, on Saturday for us Fagan is that athletic ball player that we were probably missing for a few years uh, and gave that pass the goal was on and went for it you know yeah. but even against Clare the last day that first goal probably wasn't on uh, nine times out of ten of water players tapping that ball over the bar he went for it at the Clare he gave the ball to Austin great save and Daddy Hutchinson got a goal so he's seen he always sees there's a chance for a goal and I love that about him Chichetti had that for years uh, especially the team home played on if you thought you'd stand out, stand off a Kilkenny forward and he'd tap it over the bar, that's <laughs> that's the rock you perish on. These lads will give a little pass and they're gone. And they always, if they sniff the goal, they got it. And look, goals change games, lads. They really do. And I think that was a huge, huge turning point for us, you know. No, it definitely was. And just keep it on Bennett for a minute. And the reason I want to stay on Bennett, because uh, Stephen Bennett, because I've been critical of him on the show here before, and I just didn't really understand. He he was flattering to deceive too often for me. The ball was never sticking on him. But in that period when Waterford were down and you needed leaders, he scored one three. Now I talked about that big long solo point he got. Um, Owen Ken has talked about the goal. He, he scored another wonder point where he made a fool out of Paddy Deegan. He made a fool out of Paddy Deegan twice by feigning to shoot, putting it back on the hurl for that point. 
then he flicked it over his head and it was almost like Jesus this is Paddy Deegan at this stage and then he got another yeah. point so that entire Waterford comeback to get almost back level was Stephen Bennett yeah it was like he was phenomenal um, on Saturday night but like this hasn't come out of the blue he's been unreal all year you know and he, he's just I, I, I'd imagine Liam Carr sat down with him at the start of the year and said look we're building the team around you you're going to be hitting the freeze you know you, you're the main man for us and I'd say the confidence is just losing out since um, you know he's not afraid to make mistakes I'm sure Liam Carr has had this conversation with him as well don't be afraid to make mistakes just do what comes natural to you yeah. and as Ken said you know, growing up in Waterford, you could see the talent was there. And, you know, he's just that bit of, he has that bit of lampings about him. And if you, take, if you try and take that out of a player, you know, the confidence yeah. starts to start. But I think Liam Cal has just embraced that. You know, just go and play the way the way you know you can play. And, and like, he's reaped the reward because he's been the standout player in the championship for Waterford um, this year. And, you know, it, it's that lampings, it's that bit of brilliance that, that he brings to it. And it lifts yeah. everyone yeah. around them. Once they see him going well then, that, that sweeps confidence into the, into the forward line especially but into the team overall and like he's just doing what's that coming natural to him and he's excelling at you know to the whole championship and like you can only look forward to seeing him again in the all Ireland final against Limerick because yeah. you know I, I said after the Limerick game I said if it had to be a year down the line Waterford would have bet Limerick and I thought maybe you know that might push him back but they came out the following day it didn't take they didn't take anything else. They just stuck to the game plan again and moved on. And now they're in the All Ireland final. And you know, they, like Liam Carr will be relishing this All Ireland final against Limerick. You know, they have the bit of hurt from the Munster final. They have the form going in. Limerick are not. They're not firing on all cylinders. They're, they're winning games, but they're not firing the, the way they'd like to be going into an All Ireland final. But like Waterford have the form going in. They have momentum. They have everything. And and as I said last week on, on a couple of couple of things. They have now what they didn't have over the last 15 or 20 years. They have six forwards that are able to win draw a ball and that are able to score. And, you know, they have a solid set of backs as well. So they have everything going for them going into the All-Ireland final. And, and and like I said, they have the flamboyant Stephen Bennett um, leading the team as well. So, um, like, everything is going in their favour going into the All-Ireland final. But they just need to keep a lid on it now. We know what happened with Warford over the last number of years going into the All-Ireland final. Yeah. They need I'm sure... They need to stay in a lock in a lockdown. They, they, they do, they do. But, <laughs> but to be honest about it, I think this team is they're they're more not down to earth, but they're more focused. Um, they're more focused on what they want to do, and Lee Cal has brought that from this year, and I, and I don't expect that that'll be a problem going into the other environment. No, I, I don't think so myself. But even at we're talking, say, going back on Stephen Bennett, uh, it's the role he's been kind of given to play as well. He's been put out centre forward a lot of times. He's he's in a a couple of years ago, he was on his own versus two and three defenders. So that's yeah, very yeah. hard. He, yeah. he was he was frustrated. You'd see him at, at times. He looked so frustrated because that was never his game. I always felt uh, if he was one on one with a defender or even one maybe he takes, he had a chance. You know, so his brother's not in the panel as well. Shane Bennett was something similar. Another player. Uh, I, I, I'd love to see him back in there because he had that style. He had that way of doing different things as well. But he had a role where he was just chasing shadows for two or three years. And that's not easy, lads. That's not hard. That's not easy at all, you know. But uh, so Stephen Bennett is, is given this role there now. He's enjoying There's bodies around him to give him a hand, which we mightn't have always had, you know. Yeah. and it's he, has the, he has the freedom of the park as well, Ken. You, you know, when you're out yeah. there forward, you have the freedom of everywhere. You know, so he can go yeah. and hunt the ball. If the ball is not coming to him, he can go and hunt No, him. exactly. I, I think and at this stage, they, they all... 
and they all nearly do uh, Owen was just so hard like uh, at times you, you don't know who's on who let's be honest about it there's yeah. punch forwards or switching or back wing back sometimes it's hard to even break down a game because there's so much things happening now in County Hurling it, it is very hard and we can pinpoint different things but you can always show other different aspects of the game the game is so nearly <laughs> there's more people had staying in their positions and that's it really you know yeah, well, that's yeah. it. The two, the two full forward, well, the two man full forward lines stay in their positions, and everybody yeah, else is it. is, is hunting, yeah. hunting for balls and giving in short passes, yeah. and it's it's all yeah. over the place. But I suppose moving moving Austin Gleeson out on was a huge move as well from Lee Cal, and it wasn't a tactical masterstroke. It was to bring him out to get him into the game because he was being starved in there. Um, Gleeson was in the first half. Yeah, he he was, but I think Lee Cal has done a great job with Austin Gleeson again this year because over the last couple of years. You know, they're moving him every game. He was nearly in a different position, and he didn't know. You know, am I going to be playing centre back? Am I going to be playing midfield, centre forward, full forward? Whereas Liam Khan has left them full forward for the full season this year. You know, and in games then maybe you know we need to get him into the game. We'll bring him out for five minutes and put him back in again. But like, and and I said it last week as well. There was a big game coming from Mason Leeson. Poor enough in the first half, but thundered into his end in the second half you know once he came out there and got a couple of points from play as well and a couple of crucial stages in the game as well so like I, I think his confidence is coming back and he's coming back at the right time he's, he's coming into a bit of form as well but I think the, the tactics from Liam Cal to bring him out when they needed scores and when they needed us at least to come into the game you know it brought him out couple of crucial scores and fantastic in the second half as well. Yeah, an incredible uh, Ken to see Waterford. I think Brian Cody made reference to the dominated disguise and you had Gleeson, you had Fagan dominating puckouts. Now, you know, like, I mean, you very rarely see that against Kilkenny for a full half. Like, I mean, Fagan's catching balls over Podrick Walsh, who's no slouch in the air. You know, like, I mean, it was just a constant... Maybe you say the best second half performance ever because they never dipped at all in that second half and they dominated the disguise for the entire second half. Yeah, they never dipped. Uh, but if you look, if you, if you break down that Kilkenny team, they're like if, uh, individually, like they're not brilliant in the air. Let's be honest. With you. We we always uh, associate Kilkenny with being brilliant in the air. Not every one of them players are brilliant in the air. Like you saw TJ. Like I thought TJ was unreal on Saturday. I thought some of the stuff he done was exceptional, which he always does, catching balls, drawing it on. But outside of that, there was no one really to win a ball, you know. And our big lad did step up in that second half, especially as said Fagan. Who's on, on new on on the panel last couple of years and getting a start this year was excellent. Some of the balls he won, couple of rash decisions in the first half, and I, I'd say he was really told, look, look, get that ball and give it to the lad who's running through, who's, who's running off the shoulder, and he's done it perfectly on on Saturday. You know, yeah. Austin stuff as well. Austin was great in the second half, as Owen said. That man, look, obviously he's my club. I, I, I've seen him the whole way going up. If, if he's able to do that so much, like, and that's what maybe we might get frustrated with him at times because we know how good he can be. And I pitched him the last couple of years, the kind of criticism he's getting because there's no player spoke about as much as Austin. And that's hard. Like, he's only one player trying to do his job as well. And this year, he became more of a, just a job to do. Yeah. And even the ball, I thought in the first half, he was struggling at times, but he gave a brilliant pass to Desi Hutchison. Well, that's that got the ball him into Desi. it, yeah. Yeah. And that got him into the game. Like, to me, when I saw that, I said, he's going to be grand. Just get him more out of the pitch. And he came out in the second half, look, and he caught ball after ball. And he got four or five points in play as well. He was brilliant, you know. So, our lads can do that. They can. Tiger's very good in the air as well. Um, I said, if, if this is not, without uh, sounding bad against, this is not any team of old that can grab ball after ball in the sky and destroy it. It's simply, it's not that, that's not the team, you know. 
Yeah, just on Jack Fagan there, like, I mean, is he well known in Waterford um, for his great hand or was this just an exceptional game where, you know, you're looking at that yourself going, Jesus, I've never seen him do that before? No, no, he's a good lad, very good lad. Uh, he plays wing forward, centre forward, Dennis Allen, and he's actually been a great addition for him over the last five, five, four or five years. Every, er, seems to be a real solid kind of player, will always work hard, would we'll put him on a shift every single time for Dennis Allen, and I love that about him. He's no, he, he has a hand and I just wanted to see him really exploding onto the county scene, you know, because I knew I knew it was in him. Uh, now, I, I, to be honest, he, he probably exceeded expectations on Saturday. He caught so many balls, he was he was outstanding. Like, he gave the pass for Bennett. He gave the pass the lines for a second goal. Yeah. Like, there, there are huge moments in the game. And it wasn't just catching the ball running to trouble. He caught the ball and gave it then when, when, when players, he was dragging players towards him and gave the right pass at the right time. And that's the key as well, lad, that he's given that pass to the fellow who's obviously in a better position but at the right time which we haven't always done over time we often went into trouble we often took that extra step and got hooked up blocked and went into a cul-de-sac you know so no he it's definitely in him uh, he's a fair athlete as well Jeez, he's a fair athlete like the, the, he's in fair shape he'd have that nearly limerick physique on him you know so uh, he, he takes a bit of stopping uh, I don't know if he scored did he score from play on Saturday not too sure but he's chipping in but he got a goal I think goal and two against Clare the last day He's a vital player for us at this stage, you know. Uh, it's 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 a I think it's a it's a player every team wants. Like you, Garrod Hegarty, Tom Morrissey on the Limerick side, or unless he can so strong and running with that ball and grabbing the ball, and he's offering us that, you know. Yeah, no, you de- it definitely definitely does. Callum Lyons is brilliantly athletic as well. Obviously, it's like I mean, he never oh, stops yeah. going, even though he does run into the odd blind alley. But I think Liam Cal encourages players to go at their men and keep. Do I think he lo- he probably loves Callum Lyons? Just to throw the Austin Gleeson thing to you, um, Owen, because Liam Cal said after the game, he said, "In fairness to the man, he's been lauded and applauded for all the spectacular things he does. But I think from today and over my reign so far, he's brought a different aspect to his game with work rate and honesty and hooking and blocking." And I'm delighted for him in particular, he said afterwards. And like, I mean, you know a thing or two about work rate and hooking and blocking, even though that you could score as well. And was 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 Austin maybe, maybe if Austin psychologically goes, I'm going to go out and work hard, the performances will come rather than going out and saying, I am I need to score, you know, five points. Yeah, I think I think that's, he hit the spot on the head there because like as Ken said, like all the talk over the last couple of years has been Austin Gleeson and since he got hurt here, you know, he's been poor since he got hurt here. But by his own admission, he's put pressure on himself. And I think, you know, Liam Cal is trying to take that pressure off off the shoulders and just get working hard, get into the game. And that's what, you know, as a player, when I was playing, that's what I tried to do. You know, I go out and work hard and then I get into the game that way. And, you know, you can't dictate before the game what's going to happen in the game. But you can dictate what you, what you can bring to the game. And yeah. that's work rate, and that's what Austin has done. And you know, the big, big man. You know, his physique is is huge. He's a big man, and you see him on Saturday night. You know, just hitting lads' shoulders. You know, shoving lads around the place, and that well, brought yeah. him into the game. And he was involved in the play. Then you know, he mightn't have had the ball in his hand, but, but he was involved in in so much that Warford done on Saturday night. And you know, you know, break a ball, get, kick a ball out here, kick a ball out there, and and create things from that. And that's why he that's why he's brought to the Warford team this year. You know, he's not putting pressure on himself to score seven or eight points for play every day he goes out, but he's gonna work hard for the team and, and you know, you seen that in the interview with Liam Cal. Uh, he was delighted with his performance. But I, I'm sure he would have been delighted with the way he played in the first half as well, you know, throwing himself about in that couple of four wides by his own standards, but as I said, exploded into the game in the second half and got his just rewards with the four or five for play. 
Yeah, that's the important thing, I suppose. And that's great management, Ken, in that, you know, Austin is judging himself off maybe. Jeez, he bullied some Kilkenny lads the other night, you know, and if he does that yeah. once or twice, even if he scored the wide or two, maybe Austin in his head is not getting down on himself and he's saying, geez, I'm doing what Liam wants me to do, therefore I'm playing well. Yeah, exactly. Look, at the end of the day, look, modern game uh, is all about work rate, right? The, 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 the tackles, the frosty and everything about it, it's crazy. Like, it, it, I don't know why I'm like to play in now because you're not getting a second on the ball and unless you have work right now you're, you're at nothing there's no point you're talking out one up the pitch let's be honest about it now I thought he worked hard enough in the first half look things weren't going well and I remember one ball underneath the Hughes stand he didn't get it he misses it and he ducked his head a small bit and I said to myself watching the game at home saying just just get get yourself get the next ball and I think the next ball was that pass to Daisy Hutchinson and I think that's the way definitely the Kenny lads would have played over all them years we were against them it was the next ball the next ball you know and if you think or dwell too much on what's going on, and you're you're kind of finished. I know at the end of my career, I dwelled on nearly everything, and, and, it, and it kind of ruined me, you know. But for the majority of my say ten years, in the middle of my ten years, it was always the next ball. Don't care what happened before that. Go for it. Go for it. You know. And if you're attacking and working hard, you're, when you have with the quality that obviously Jay has, you're going to get chances. Then, then if you get one point over the bar, you're in a game when you're that type of player, and then you go on a bit of a run and. Then, then you take some stopping, you know. So, but look, I think Cal deserves unreal credit for this because there's no nonsense with this team. They're going out there playing the game, even after the match. Remember, we won our semi final, only the only semi final ever won in 2008. I was rolling on the ground for five minutes, I think, you know. So, <laughs> it's like, I, I remember with Tony, we were all, well, what we were doing, and like, that, like that's where these lads were shook hands or done the fist pump, whatever you done after COVID, the COVID now, and they're gone, they were off the pitch. and Cal was nice and calm and he looked forward to the next game obviously watching the game intently yesterday but that was it it was like job done you know these lads seem a bit different but you would forget lads that a lot of these fellas would were after, were after winning a minor and another 21 All-Ireland which a lot of us never had you know where I'm coming from yeah. so that, that when you have that in your locker uh, knowing that you're after doing it at a certain stage you, you, that's always great to have and you can produce it then senior like it's it's like a different, fresh approach and they're really, really buying into it. They look like they're all enjoying them as well, which is massive, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's in a, in a weird way, like the lockdown and the lack of supporters may have completely taken pressure off, off the Waterford team because you, we know the fans down Waterford are crazy. A bit like Cavan in the football as well, you know, and even Mayo. And maybe you think their fans actually helped them, but in a weird way, Ken, maybe it's just, yeah. it could, could be the opposite. Yeah, it could be. Like, if you saw even, look, Desi Hudson playing his first Monster final uh, two weeks ago and, Taps the ball over Sean Finn's head. Would you do that with a fifty thousand people there? I'm not too sure in the first month of yeah. I think players are definitely trying to do things that uh, they might necessarily do with the places packed starting off. Now when you get into a game or in a game you, you don't even see that. But I'm saying like there's obviously less pressure on players. And I think it's actually to me, I didn't know what this would be like a few months ago when they're saying the challenges gonna be on and winter hurling or whatever, but really the the challenges have been unbelievable. And I think it's such a focal point of everyone's weekend, Saturday night, six o'clock, watching the lads play up in Crow Park. It's after being brilliant. And I think the players are really enjoying it as well, you know, because they can go up and do their thing, play the match, and then they're finished, you know. So uh, at times we did get caught up in, in different things with crowds or whatever, and probably played to them too much, which wasn't, we didn't automatically, we didn't try and do that. It wasn't intentional to do that. It's just the way that that team played. When I was on it, we were probably reacting to everything. But these, these lads seem just to be playing their game and that's it. 
which which I love to see. I love to see it, to be honest with you. you know? Yeah. If, if you they're pro want, they're, they're proactive, Ken, rather than reacting the way he does. Yeah. They're proactive. Yeah. You know they want they want to say out the way they want to say, and and that's the way the the game is going to go. They're not letting anybody disrupt the, the plan that they have, and you know, and that's what they done on, on Saturday. Yeah. As I said, they could have been level going in a half time with Kenny if they hit all the wings over the bar. You know, they, yeah. they didn't play that badly in the first half. It's just you know a few wayward shots. And if they had to be level, if they had to take them chances, they could have been level, you know. And but the game plan never changed, never wavered. No, no, yeah. and the belief never wavered. If you own, if you're looking at a weakness, like I mean, the two Kenny goals came from was a two Connor Prunty mistakes, and then uh, Niall Brassel could have scored a goal um, in the second half from a Prunty mistake again. It, like I mean, he was a wing back on the under twenty ones. Like I mean, I don't know. I'm just and and obviously Shanahan caused a few problems against Clare. Is there a bit of a problem there with high balls raining in? Yeah, look, there seems there seems to be a, a small bit of a problem there, but I wouldn't blame Conor Prunty for TJ Reid's goal. I would I would nearly blame Tyke de Burka. You know, yeah, yeah, back on on, on uh, TJ Reid's goal, Tyke de Burka took a step outside rather than taking the step inside, mm. going for the break. You know, and right. that would have cut off TJ Reid. So I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't generally blame Conor Prunty for that. But but look, it will it will be a worry because you know sometimes Limerick launch high balls in it, and Aaron Galan is. Is um, Aaron Galan is good in the air as well, so um, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be focusing on it too much. But you know, it will be a worry for Dean Callan. Yeah, and the first, the, the first goal, the first goal, to be honest, I, I would have blamed on uh, Stephen O'Keefe. I thought he was very slow off the line. Yeah, um, I think the ball actually it, it bounced from the twenty-one into the fourteen, and he was two. I don't think he was his starting position was right. I, I thought he should have been out. Now you done a brilliant save from Richie Hogan. Then looked the ball was put in the net. Then, but I thought he had to. I, I was waiting for him. No one until you watch it, the ball is dropped and the ball bounced into 14. I was waiting for him to come out to see. Couldn't see him. I said, damn, we're in trouble here now. I would have blamed Stephen O'Keefe on the first goal, to be honest with you, you know? Yeah, um, no, I, I agree, yeah. Look, it, yeah, they're, they're the breaks, aren't they, lads? Like, we don't know, as we said, there's only a couple of positions that you're marking, lads, and that you're really under pressure and that full back line is so tight at the moment. You make a mistake, that's it, you know? Yeah, come here one more, Ken, before we, we, we move on to a bit on Kilkenny. Um, where's Neil Montgomery come from? He came on against Clare and he looked unbelievably lively. Like where, I've never heard, I never heard his name before the Clare game. Yeah, now. yeah an, an Abbeyside young lad. Um, he, he's good. He, he played very well for Abbeyside, Abbeyside over the last couple of years in the club championship. Abbeyside would be a would be always in the top five or six teams in the county. Uh, could even be further up, but they, they're, they're a dual club. Uh, Ballinacorty would be their football, like you know. So they they always find it hard to. To kind of like, they're always struggling in between two football and hurling. Uh, but look, he's he's a big athletic fella, isn't he? He's he'd be full yeah. of confidence. Uh, he's really after exploding onto the scene. There's, I think he's got three points on uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, look, it, that's what we have, I suppose, definitely over the last couple of games. Our subs are making huge impacts. Uh, Dara Fives or, or Dara Lyon, sorry, who's coming on is uh, the work rate he's putting in, the shift he's putting in is excellent. He's he's causing chaos when he's coming on. And Montgomery, Connor Gleeson played very well against Clare. Didn't do an awful lot on Saturday, but he's a, a class player to come on. You have Patrick Horn as well, who looks kind of more confident, who would have been probably the main scorer on that great underage teams that we had, you know. So uh, these lads are making huge impacts, and uh, it's great. It's great for that to have that. If you look, if you look at it, if you're not many of the Kenny subs came on and made any impact. Like Colin Fenley was poor, Walter was poor. Do you know? So uh, that's the difference, I suppose, what we had on Saturday as well. I, I ha- you, you have, have to, to. You have to have that. Yeah, you have to, yeah. 
you have to, there's a 20 man team now, you know, you have to have subs that make impact. And, and you said, you said really, none of the subs that came off really had made an impact. Um, on but Owen, 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 I was just going to ask you on that. Like, I mean, would you have a little bit of sympathy on Colin Fennelly and Walter Walsh? They're coming into a game that Waterford are dominating. You know, in the forwards, it's it's not easy to get into a game like that for a sub. It's not. It's not. But like Colin Fennelly and Walter Walsh are experienced players. You know, and they should have been hurting after being dropped as well on on Saturday night. You know, if that was me and I was dropped, I'd be saying, "By geez, I'm gonna I'm gonna show Cody. I I I should have been playing from the start." And you, and you know, I know what we're on top of, but like these are experienced players. These are great players that you know that can change games. But like they made no impact whatsoever. No and impact as, at all. As I said earlier on, as I said earlier on, you know, the work rate has to come first. You, you know, you can't come in and decide you're going to grab a ball out of the air and drive it over the bar from sixty yards out the sideline. That that's unrealistic. You can't legislate for that happening. But you can legislate for coming in and working your socks off and getting back and. You know, and there, there was one stage in the second half where Walter Welch made, made a forty-yard run across the across the across the field, and and he he got a hooker, he, he got something. In. I think Callum Lines could could have maybe overcarried, but like that's one out of thirty-five minutes is not enough. You know, they need to be working so much harder. Did Did you find it a strange one, Ken, that it was Walter Welch, Colin Fennelly, Jerry Aylward, and Niall Brassel came on into the forwards? No, no changes in the backs, considering you know Waterford were overrunning them. Yeah, look, I suppose like it was like they were trying to like, uh, attack that attack Walter back, say right, you know, say yeah. right, we have to try and get scores here. Uh, but look, when looking back on it, when obviously when I was watching the game, I didn't really, I wasn't thinking about Kenny as much. I was watching us and what we were doing, and like obviously he was trying to like put those fires everywhere around the pitch, uh, Colin. But I, I, I did, I, did, I thought when the lads came on, I know they were saying in the commentary that firepower is on now, the big lads are on. They, they they didn't have an impact and you, you knew when you're a manager and you're putting on these lads who, who didn't play well the last couple of games you're expecting an impact from them and they didn't do it you know and like uh, at the times there were so much things probably overrunning Kikenny from midfield up from half back line up mm. uh, how do you plug so many holes you know that was the problem yeah, maybe it's not. How did you feel after the game on? Because I know they threw away a lead, but they fought to the end, and like Paddy Deegan point there at the end got got it back to two, and they made Waterford win it rather than hand it to them. So you'd probably be proud of that in a way with a game that was going away from them. And I don't know, in Kilkenny, are the expectations dropped? Like this team won't be criticised to the extent it might have been ten years ago for for losing a game like that. Yeah, look, like you'd have to take the half. They stay going to the very very end. Look, and you'd expect that best from a Blaine Cody team, to be honest about. Um, and you expect nothing from uh, nothing else from a Kenny team. But just going back to the to the backs, Willie, the other day, to be honest about it, I thought the, the half-back game were wiped out of it. Um, you know, Hugh Lawler maybe didn't have a whole, whole lot to do, but, you know, kind of, kind of broke even, I would say, and, and Tommy Wells probably the same as well. Um, Connor Delaney had a great game of cornerback, I thought. Um, but like the half back lane were totally wiped out. Park Wills wasn't as wasn't his usual self. No. Killy Buckley has been struggling with injury for a long time. He just doesn't seem to be up to the pace of it. Yes, you know, I think to be honest about with the injury he had, I think his legs are nearly gone. And to be honest about I, I didn't expect Paddy Deegan to come out for the second half. Um I thought, you know, he was totally out of game in the first half. And I couldn't believe he came out came out for the second half and I couldn't believe he finished the game then as well. I thought he was that poor. Um, you know, I didn't seem to be able to track back at all. You know, I, I, I think if you're going to play a Paddy Deegan, you have to play him cornerback. Um, you know, he plays he plays centre back for a, for a club, but he plays a loose centre back, and Killy Buckley is the same. You know, right. he's kind of more sweepers with the club. Um, 
in Kilkenny than, than there would be man market jobs and, and I think it got found out really um, on, on Saturday evening Killian Buckley wasn't good Paddy Deegan wasn't good and you know you can't have a half back lane get wiped out and try and win an all out semi final it just it doesn't happen um, you know and Waterford, Waterford you know they exploded from from the half hour line in you know they just took Kilkenny to the cleaners in the backs and you know as I said you can't win an all out semi final with that no, no. Like I mean, that 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 is definitely a, a point. Parik Walsh, I think, Parik Walsh. Oh, he plays centre back for Tullerone, but he plays in the forwards for them sometimes. Wouldn't be known for being a tight marking wing back, more of a hurling wing back as well. Yeah, but like Parik Walsh played centre back for the last couple of games for for Kilkenny, and then Kelly Butty was centre back there Saturday night. So it didn't really make sense to me. You know, I thought. Maybe leave Parik well centre back and put Killian Buckley on, on the wing because, as I said, Killian Buckley has been struggling with a knee injury for the past two years and he just doesn't seem to be up to the pace. Whether physically he's not able to go up to the pace because of the injury, um, I don't know. But like centre back wasn't the position for him on Saturday, I don't think, and he struggled badly. And, you know, I think Parik well struggled on the wing then as well. He's probably used to playing centre back. I know there probably wouldn't be a whole lot of difference between centre back and wing back, but. You know, he was probably used to playing centre back, and um, probably the other two lads on on the half back line not performing back well probably hindered Park Wells as well. But look, they got wiped out in the they got wiped out in the air as well, and and that would have been a strong play for Kenny. You know, Park Wells you'd expect to be good in the air. Killy Buckley is usually good in the air. Paddy Egan not so much, but you know you wouldn't expect him to to be getting bent in the air either. But you know they got totally wiped out um, across the across the seventy minutes and. Once your half back line is getting wiped out, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. TJ TJ's thirty three um, last week. Like when he retires, are you worried about what what you know the the future holds? Well, you would be. You you'd have to be because you know take TJ Reid out of the equation on Saturday night and Kenny were getting a serious beat. Yeah, he was uh, brilliant. And, you know, yeah, he was, and, and he's been outstanding over the last couple of years. You know, but like I think you just need to take the pressure off him. You know, if he doesn't perform, who's going to stand up and you know, I'm looking around and I'm saying I'm not filled with any confidence really after Saturday night and uh, who's going to stand up, you know. You'd expect Colin Finley, Walter Welsh, Richie Hogan um, all these type, type of lads. Like Owen Cody has been unbelievable for Ballyhale Shamrocks in the club championship over the last number of years and, you know, was kind of wasn't great, you know, Saturday night. Billy Rain didn't strike the ball, I'd say, the whole game. Um, it was Mossy Young was taken off in the second half I thought he was probably one of her best uh, forwards Saturday night and he was taken off first so like you know you're not filled with any real confidence to, to who's going to take over the mantle when TJ when TJ uh, hangs it up I don't expect it that he will I think he'll be there again next year but you know certainly we need other lads to be standing up with him and until that happens Kenny won't be winning the other than the Fred yeah I think that's I think that's the problem um, lads I think I, I was looked at the team say before the game, and you're asked the question, "How Walford gone?" I thought Walford win by three or four points. I I said this. I thought I thought they would because Bar TJ, there's not many fellas on that team are going to destroy you, um, and that's the truth. And if you look back on the old Kilkenny teams, or six forwards could destroy you, and that's that's the yeah. difference. And right now, Kilkenny don't have that, and it's it's massive. And when you know that you have to watch every single one of them forwards, you're under some pressure. Every one of the backs under pressure. Midfield is under pressure, but. Uh, at Saturday's team, you, 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 you're not you're not under that much pressure, and that's the that's the reality and the truth of it, you know. Yeah, no, it definitely. That's, that's the difference between that's the difference between Kilkenny and Waterford, as I said. Waterford have that now, you know. They have six forwards that are able to score, that are working their socks off. 
you know, there's no pressure. Say we spoke about Stephen Bennett and Austin Leeson there a, few, a little while ago. Like the, the, all the pressure is not on them. They can just go and hurl. You know, and if they if they don't have a good game, well, there's five other lads around or four other lads around that are that are going to take the pressure off them and carry them over the line. And and then they have the three or four or five lads there that they have. You know that we spoke about that come on uh, into the Waterford attack. Neil Montgomery came on, made a huge impact. Uh, there was the other lad with the red helmet came on. Daryl Lines. Daryl He came on. It makes a huge impact. You know, Patrick Curran comes on, makes a huge impact. You know, they have, that's eight players that they have to come on, uh, to, you know, in the forward line and, and they're all as good as each other. And that's the difference. You know, we brought on Alan Murphy, Gerald Edwards, Walter Welsh, Colin Fenley and none of them made an impact. You know, yeah. so that that's the difference between Kenny Warford at the moment. Right, lads, we'll finish here on this game with performance of the weekend. I think it has to go to uh, Stephen Bennett. Like he was not just a one four from play, but he got the one four from he got one three of the one four when it was absolutely yeah. vitally needed, and he drove. He you know he really drove that comeback. Um, Callum Lyons was brilliant. Jamie Barron was brilliant. Uh, Austin Gleeson was brilliant. Um, you know there was plenty of of and obviously T J Reid for Kilkenny. But we'll give it to Stephen uh, Bennett performance of the weekend, and we'll come back and we'll talk about the other match. I'd never be allowed to go off in eight and eight and have a shite like him and you know, a slob or whatever like I was always doing a bit I remember, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered in the way in there I threw the ball up in there I don't know it was, it was pure luck no one fairness pure luck I had fucking bullshit as you see yourselves Right, well, lads, we have to start with Joe Canning's sidelines on this one because he broke a record, apparently, a record I knew nothing about. Um, he scored four points from sidelines. Um, if there were worth two points, like some people say, Galway would have won the match. Whether anybody cares about that <laughs> or not, I don't know. Here's a stat that you might care about, you mightn't care about. Michael Moroni got three before. This is the record that he beat in the 1977 Munster Championship. And Martin Storey um, scored three in the 93 Leinster final against Kilkenny. Um, Owen. Funnily enough, one more is Owen's four brought his sideline championship tally to 28. The Michael Moroni is in second place and he's on eight. So I don't know if Michael, if Michael Moroni got three in the one game and he only got eight ever is more impressive than Joe getting four in one game <laughs> <laughs> and getting 27. I don't know, Owen, but like, I mean, incredible. So, and it has to be said here, Owen, I, I don't think I saw Joe Canning do less from play in a match he's getting lauded for doing absolutely incredible stuff from the sideline. Willie, I'm glad you brought that point up because, you know, the, the, the sidelines were, were incredible. It's an incredible skill to have and to get four in, in a game is it's just unbelievable. As you said, 28 over the championship and, and the next lad has, has, has less. Like, it's, it's frightening now. And if, you know, if, if it was two points, Colin may well have won it, but it wouldn't have deserved to win, I don't think. And as you said, I think Joe Canny is, is after having a poor season. To be fair, you know he didn't score from play the last day or on Sunday. He didn't score from. I think he got three points against Kilkenny, and he didn't score from play against Wexford. You know, I think like I know the sidelines are keeping are keeping them in, in the limelight, and that reporters love it and all that kind of stuff. But like you know, I think Galway need a lot more out of Joe Canning if they're going to if they're going to go anywhere in the next couple of years. Um, you know, he's been. I think he's been poor from over this year, and you know, I, 
to me, to me, if if Galway lost Joe Kenny, it wouldn't have the same impact as if they lost Conor Wheel. I think Conor Wheel is so much more vital to him now. And you know, obviously, you hope Joe's okay with with the banging jaw. It was a serious serious head injury, but like they need him doing so much more if they're going to if they're going to progress next year and and, and go on and win a second All Ireland. Yeah, funny enough, Fintan Burke got the best sideline of the day. He got the five sidelines in total for, for Galway. But Canning, uh, Ken, in fairness to Joe, he's been playing the last, I don't know, five or six years as a centre forward, dropping back and getting a bit of a free roll. He was playing in the full forward line. I was watching it. They started off with Conor Whelan and Joe Canning in the full forward line. He never got a pass. I don't think he laid his hand on the ball. And then he went out on Kyle Hayes on the wing. And he, he, he that's when Hegarty hit him, the you know, the belt from out there. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah and then he was back in the full forward line again in the second half so he was put out a position in a position where the game the, the style of hurling Galway play wasn't the style of hurling that Canning used to enjoy when he was full forward if you know what I mean yeah no no I, look to be honest with you I don't think Joe have the pace uh, for the full forward line anymore look Joe is after being an unbelievable player look I, I don't know how old is Joe lads is he what, 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 what is he now at this stage 32 like, I think is he like he's after doing 32 he's after doing so much hurling and, and to be honest with you, he carried that team for so long right but I, I think there, if there's going to be a place for Joe which which there should be a place for him but he have to play to his strength we would be as a, a deep line centre forward and he's getting the pop pass and he's able to do things with the ball that a lot of players can't do but to put him in full forward and, and at times not, the ball not go into him or he couldn't get the ball because the, the pace is not there anymore you know it's simply not yeah. there uh, and that's that's probably unfair on Joe to ask him to even play that role because look his striking ability we all know that as Owen said uh, his sideline cuts were, were unbelievable but uh, he done very little from play uh, and that's how a lot of players I'm sure Joe is the same Joe is the same this morning he's saying I didn't do much from play himself because the top players that's the way they think uh, you don't think about freeze freeze and sidelines are nearly a different side of your game John yeah. come from yeah. uh, working getting on that ball having shots being in the ball and play laying off that ball which Joe in all fairness Joe has done brilliantly for 10, 12, 13 years whatever you know but I think the role he's been asked to play at times in four lines especially on yesterday was very hard because the pace just isn't there anymore for him you know and look yeah. you can't do anything when the pace goes a small bit you can't do anything about that it's a uh, the senior in the county game is relentless right now. The, the pace of it is so fast. You, what can you do with spare time, really? You know. Because I, w- I was at the game um, in Croke Park yesterday, and I was watching him. And he's, you're right. He wasn't moving really for ball like a Whelan or a Concanon would move. Now they've rotated it a lot. Concanon yeah. was in there at times, but Canning was waiting for the maybe old-fashioned kind of ball where he's on the edge of the square, and it never came on. You know, so he was kind of being starved completely of 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 any ball, which I thought maybe tactically might have been a bit of a mistake for Galway. Come here. What did you think of the Hegarty? Um, what would you call it? A clip. Ah, look, I, I thought it was soft enough now, to be honest. I know it probably hurt at the time, but like, uh, lads are calling for red cards for that. We're giving the red card for that. I think we're, we're at nothing. Because, you know, mm-hmm. if you look back on it, Garrod Hegarty, no one went to turn on to his left to hit, and he, and he dummied and went back to his right. And Garrod Hegarty thought he was going to hit off his left. He was putting up the hurdle to block him, and next thing, Joe turned back to his right. And he couldn't, he, momentum nearly took him into him more so, and he tried to turn the hurdle and to get a hook. Didn't make a great job of it, but I think, like, you know, if we're if we're, if we're talking yeah. about giving cars for that, we're we're at matches. Well, well now, only, hang on, hang on, Ken, hang on, Ken. Before you come in there now and explain to me who's never played hurling, I think if you're going to hook a lad, you just stick the hurl in. You just poke it in there to stop no. coming down. He 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 swung the hurl. I never saw that. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, no, he did. He did, but I think he was going. He was going to try and block him, and Joe Kenny turned, you know, saw the dummy and went back to his right hand side and hit. And I think it was nearly kind of a fright he was going to get. Yeah, it was nearly at the hurl. Yeah, it was. It was awkward more than that. And Reed, look, I'll be honest. I, I think it's a conversation or not, and that's the truth. Now, look, I, I think for some reason people love going on about this type of stuff in on social media, whatever. Like that's that's not sending off. I'm sorry, now that's not sending off, but. It's different. He he didn't. Right. He was awkward. And at times, Garrod Hegarty and I, I raise him. I raise him highly, very highly. And he's a brilliant player, especially after growing in confidence and after stepping up the last couple of years. He can be awkward at times. He's such a big fella, and he was going in at a wrong. He thought Joe was around the left on a wrong kind of. Um, his whole body shape was kind of wrong. No, he did. He gave him a little tap, but it was only a tap, really. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know. I, I and look, I. I See, Henry was getting say he didn't read the rule book. I wouldn't know the rule book. I'd be straight up with you. I don't think there's many players. I know the basic rules. That's it. I never. I wouldn't know the rule book. No, not a, no way would I know the rule book. Well, I suppose. I well, suppose well, Ken, the, what they're saying a, a strike is a red card. Now it depends. You've played the game, so you know that that. Yeah, like it wasn't. Strike, it wasn't. It wasn't with the edge. It wasn't with the edge of the hurl. It was with the boss. He wasn't out to hurt. Like that probably wouldn't have hurt all that much. Now, and I, I'm a big. I'm an absolute baby when it comes to getting hit by a hurl. But I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't have even thought that. No. that would have hurt that much. Yeah, what the strike? No, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't call that strike. No, no, I wouldn't call that strike. I'll be honest with you. That was a. It was a flick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a flick. Now, like, a flick could catch you, if it catch you wrong, it's sore. Let's be honest with you. It yeah. could be sore if it got in the wrong spot, but it was only a flick. But if oh. you go back to Saturday night, Wally, if you go back to Saturday night, Kenny Warford game, Paddy Deaton got a slap on the shin from the hurl. A worse one, yeah. You know, so, yeah, so are we going to talk about a red card with that as well? That's, yeah. yeah look, know, look, look, honestly, if you look at the rule book, that's a strike of a hurl. Yeah, I would I would have cried if I got the hit Paddy Deegan got, whereas I don't think I would have cried if I got the one Joe yeah. Canning got. Will we leave so the analysis look, at that? Exactly. If I'm from Warford, look, it'd be our benefit if Carol Hegarty was got a red card for that. But no way would I would I feel as a hurling person that that's a red card. No way. No way. I'll be right. honest with you. you know? Okay, I think everybody's in agreement with this, and I'm to be honest, I'm playing yeah. devil's advocate. I didn't think it would it would be a very harsh, uh, be a very harsh red card. Come here, Kyle Hayes. Right, he is yeah. a speed demon. He seems to have found his best position. Ken, I'll throw this one to you. But he's borderline yeah. over carrying every time he gets the ball. Now, to me, nearly every player is borderline over carrying. I suppose we we have volunteer lads as well who put the ball under their arm really and run with it like a rugby <laughs> player before they throw it on the hurley, but. Uh, no, look, yeah, he's a. That's that's like, and that's you get a ref one day, and you pull pull every player on that. I think we got caught for. I think Callum Lines was caught for two uh, over carryings on Saturday. Uh, but some refs, if if they're really sticking to the law, can really pull that every every nearly every second time a player gets a ball. Like those fellas going six seven steps easily with a ball, you know. But he's a he's such a I suppose such a rangy player. Uh, I I I. I I think he's a brilliant player. I I hate to mark this fellow as well because you, you take more watching on him than you would as a watching you as a forward. Yeah. I, I was involved in our two on team of the year for three or four years when Lim, that Limerick team were flying underage, and he was centre back and stuff. He's a brilliant player, lads, absolutely brilliant. And I think going back to last game, he went out the first day against Tip was it down in uh, down in Cork, and people kind of found it a bit strange. But he's got to dominate and dominate in that area. Dominate now, as you said, he gets that ball and he's gone. Uh, he, he's so pacey such a long stride on him you said he is could be over carrying that ball but the refs don't seem to be blown for a lot of times for that you know yeah I suppose if you're it's a little bit like you'll take your four steps and then you'll do a, a kind of a slow effort of throwing it out on the hurl and by the time it comes down out <laughs> that's seven hurl, steps yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now it's on seven before it hits the hurl on like I mean so yeah. you're 
Yeah, I think they're trying, and, players are trying to push this these boundaries all the time. They are. Look, like you know, unless it's very obvious, I think you get away with it. You know, and like Callum Lines, I was sitting, I was sitting the other day, Saturday night, watching this, and we got a couple of frees from Callum Lines, and I was saying, geez, there are very soft frees to begin. You know, it's like everybody takes. Nobody takes four steps, four steps anymore. It's it's five and six steps, no. and, and yeah. once you go on to the seventh step, then you're you're running the risk of of getting blown. But like you know, just talking about Kyle Hayes, oh my God, you know the, the most attacking. He, he reminds me of actually Callum Lane's playing wing back. You know, yeah, yeah, is, very not defend first, is attack first. Attack is the first line of defence, and he's up and down the side and in through the centre, and he's taking on lads. He's giving passes. He's taking it back, and he's hitting it over the bar. He must be an absolute nightmare to mark as a forward. Yeah, so sure. everything is just attack, attack, attack. He's a, he's a phenomenal player. Uh, Shane O'Neill said after the game, Ken, he said, we're just immensely proud of all the boys. We're 12 months at it, but really it's just been a month. They've been unbelievable for us. They've done Galway proud. And I suppose he, he's probably looking at this like we all were. Uh, I think it was Keen Lynch got a point uh, to put four in it. And then Peter Casey got a point immediately from that puck out. Now there's five. Now this game is slipping away from Galway. But they never gave up and they stuck in there. And they had it as a draw with three, with uh, two or three minutes to go. Like, I mean, the character you would probably talk about the Galway team kind of in the end beaten by a team that probably is better than them but they, they showed a lot of heart to stay in that game yeah they did like, at times you'd wonder at times you'd watch the game and you go uh, how far are Limerick ahead and there were only a couple of points ahead uh, but that Galway team dug in in all fairness they really dug in they showed that against Pip the last day uh, with, a, with a brilliant win but if, if you think about it you're missing Colin Mannion as well he went off with the injury Joe at the time was gone in, in, in the last few minutes so look yeah. the, now, Carl Mannion's a brilliant player, absolutely brilliant player. You know, do we so know what ha- do we know? Do we, do we know what happened to him? It looked like a dead leg, did it? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Yeah, like and he look, he's a massive player. I don't want to tell you like he takes so much in his right. Like uh, the, the movement, his range of hurling, like his left and right, the way he just he can glide around that pitch like a gazelle. You know, so uh, like he does take so much, and he was probably build it into that main central role that trying to really take over Joe's mantle, you know. So when he went off, it was a huge loss for Galway. But no, they dug in there. They, they kept going, kept going to the very end. They, they never got a chance, really, to get it back with, with you know, a chance of a goal, really, which they needed. But uh, they did. They fought. They fought to the, the very end and fought on their backs the, until the whistle went, you know. So as, as Shane Reese, you'd have to be proud of him. Uh, and you'd have to take your hat off to him and say, look, they gave everything for the year, in all fairness, you know. Yeah, they def- and it was mistakes then, on at the end. Like, it was three Galway mistakes that got Limerick their last three points. It was Aidan Hart with a bad pass. I think that was for Tom Morrissey. Then it was Aina Murphy with a bad puck out. That was another one. And then Aidan Hart, I think it was he gave a, a little uh, ball along the ground. I think it was to Loftus who miscontrolled it. And bang, there you go. There are the three points that won the game. Yeah, they, they looked out on their feet, Willie, to be honest about it. They looked, you know, like dead on their feet. And you just have to wonder, you know, was it the year that was in it that they didn't get kind of a nice pre-season into him with Shane O'Neill there and like it must have been very hard for Shane O'Neill to, to go in with the year that was in it and try and get a game plan going and, but like I just felt Galway kind of they went into the game with a sweeper you know a party man playing a sweeper you know did they go into it just to keep the score down or, or did they really believe they could beat Limerick I don't think they really believed because the game was there for them as you said three mistakes cost them you know, and like even when Joe went off, they still looked. To, I think they got the next two points after that and brought back level. And then, as you said, the the three the, the three mistakes then to 
kind of give Limerick the game. But I don't think they really believe they could be be Limerick. They're, you know, they're they're nearly defensive from from the work go and trying to curtail Limerick really than go at them and and try and try and muscle them and try and run them and things like that. I know that'd be hard to do again, Limerick. But like the Colin lads are big lads as well. They're big physical lads and you know they're they're well able to move around the place as well. But I think Colin Mannion probably was the Carl Mannion going off is probably the the catalyst for it as well because as Ken said he play, he nearly plays that Joe Canning role that lies deep and he's very accurate from 80, 90 yards you know if you give him a ball on his own 65 or 45 he's pinging us over the bar yeah, they, they got a they got clean out in the half back line as well Owen didn't they in all fairness especially in, in the first half you know uh, like Rod Hegarty Tom Morrissey were brilliant uh, yeah. what, what, they, what they get between them was a 9 points between think, them you know I think they got 11, 11, 11, 11 points I think between the three they waited until half time to move Joe Cooney off Rod Hegarty and it was like geez, they could have put him out of his misery a bit earlier than that Joe Cooney went wing forward in the second half but geez, yeah. Rod Hegarty destroyed him Ken in the first half he did look. Garrow Hager is a beast, lads. He's an absolute beast. Jesus, like he's up and down that pitch. Like when he came on the scene first, I, I, I said, "Look, this guy, he has something about him." Now he took a while to really get his hurling improved. Every every six months is nearly hurling improved, you know. And now he's he only needs a second look at at, at the goal, and he's he's tapping the ball over the bar from seventy, eighty yards, which is incredible. But he's some athlete as well, you know. He's up and down that pitch. He's always. He's, if you look at any breaking ball in in from from his own pocket or, or the opposition pocket, he's always around it. You know, it's it's unreal. And and then he has that long stride again, and he's working well with with, uh, with Kyle Hayes. The two of them have that long stride up and down that side of the pitch. It's incredible. You know, and Tom Marcy as well. He only needs, he's after improving some road as well. Lads, like uh, he only needs half a second on the ball, uh, and a strike over his left and right hand striking is unreal. Um, and and what they're doing is when you have a half four in the score like that. And obviously with the threat with Galan inside, and even when you see uh, Flanagan who offered something different again on Sunday, because uh, he's strong, he's big, he's direct. With the likes of Peter Casey coming on, who's so fast and so sharp, uh, look, they're 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 a serious handful lads, you know. I I just think I, I love a scoring half forward, and I love it. It gives the team a whole different dimension. Uh, yeah. If you lads can put that ball over the bar from 70, 80 yards, knowing that you have threat inside as well, uh, it's like I suppose I watched American football last night. I love that the Sunday night. Uh, when a team have a running game, then they can mix it up with the throwing game. That's how it's totally, it, it, it takes, it makes defenders think so much about what they're playing against. And it's the same with a team that can score from your half forward and midfield out. It's, it's, and then you have Burns, Hannon as well, who can score from the half back line. So they've, they've players everywhere that can uh, chip in. And they're so dangerous. They're so Jeez. dangerous, you know. Han- Hannon got a point there at the end of the first half and he celebrated it. But like, I mean, I was wondering, did he sell? Yeah, it was a Barry Nash ball into Tom Morrissey and then a layoff like Gaelic football almost. Yeah. Like, I mean, and he's yeah. rushing off him. And they, I was at the match, um, on, they were practicing this in the warm up. They were practicing this maybe, I don't know, 20 meter pass. They were working in trees. Now, maybe this is just a regular uh, hurling warm up or not, but it reminded me of drills I would have done in Gaelic football where you give a pa- you're in trees, you give a pass and then the third lad runs off the fella who receives the pass and then, yeah, you, sw- then you switch it around. I don't know, is that a regular hurling drill? But that, that Hannon point was direct Directly off that, <laughs> nearly off that drill. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's that's part of their game plan. That's what they do on a regular basis. It might not have come off um, to the extent they came off, uh, you know, yesterday. But like that's what they do on a regular basis. You know, a short, short stick pass, and there's a man running off 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 a lad's shoulder to take past him. It just cuts out, it cuts out defenders. You know, if the defender is going to the lad that's received the the stick pass. 
the next thing there's a pop pass gone and, and and you're ten yards ahead then yeah. attacking you know, slapping the ball over the bar. You're nearly on your own slapping the ball over the bar. Mm. You know, and but it looks it's unbelievable when it comes off, but it, it if it does lovely, break yeah. down it, it looks it looks terrible when it breaks down. So but then it doesn't seem to take any you know, it doesn't seem to train confidence over them if it doesn't come off. You know, they just, they just keep working at it, they keep finding and and they keep going and like as Ken said, the, the, their half forward line is unbelievable. You know, all they need is a second on the ball, and if you're getting that from from your half forward line, and then you're, you know, your your wing backs. I, I think the, all the wing backs scored scored yesterday as well. I think Jeremy Burns got definitely one point. Declan Hannan got one, and Kyle Hayes could have got one or two as well. So, like, if you're coming up with three or four points from your half back line as well, you're mm-hmm. in a serious Massive. position. Is, is that is is that something, Ken, that hurlers need to be more? kind of they need to concentrate a little bit more on it's not the man who receives the ball it's the fella who doesn't have the ball because like I mean it wouldn't have been traditionally something you would have to worry about in hurling whereas now it is say if the ball goes to a short stick pass to Hannon it's not Hannon you need to watch it's Kyle Hayes who's making a run Ah, you know who nobody's on no exactly that's why the game is gone look I, I I saw that drill there a few years ago I remember up watching it and you said in the trees and they're, they're, they're running the, the second man is running getting the, the third man getting the pass back up, and they're doing it back and forth and 7 out of, seven out of 10 points really for Limerick is really the result of that nearly drill in nearly in every match they can as you said the fellow who gets the ball is, is not really the, the problem for that defence it's whoever's running off him and they are so now I find it so risky it's probably alien to myself and even in the likes of own the teams we played on and the way the game was played back then that you, you'd rarely do that such a tight suppose tight base give that little pop pass that it's so risky but if it, if it comes off you're actually free then and that's why there's so many really free points in a lot of limit games they're on their own and they're striking then is they're striking never leaving them which is probably a given at this stage for County Harlem which hasn't always been the case but you're getting that, that second pass from the pop pass with a hand pass. It's risky. It is risky. Like I, one or two times I'm watching there and Keane Lynch would give a pass with someone on a fella's back and you're kind of going, I would never do that, you know? And he gives it, knowing that the, the Limerick player's confident taking it, knowing yeah. that the player's on his back for Kyle Hayes or Tom Morrissey or whoever to come through on the shoulder and get the pop pass. Do you know, it's um, it, to me, it's lovely hurling to watch. I, I, I love it. I love it at times when it comes off, especially when Limerick do it. Uh, it looks unreal and it's so fluent in our in our movement and then I said the strike is always good at the end of it. And I, I just think it's uh, it's 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 mad how that's come into the game so much, you know. Yeah, no, it definitely has. One other a couple more points, lads, um I want to make or I want to throw at you is Galway rotated their forwards. I've mentioned this already. So like I mean, you're at a stage where to start off with Joe Canning and Whelan, and then Whelan comes out to centre forward, Connor Cooney's over on the wing, Cahill Mannion is at centre forward at one stage, he's in midfield, Porrick Mannion's dropping back. But they ended up on 27 minutes I was looking down and David Burke and Connor Cooney were the two inside. Like, and I mean, I know Tipperary do that a lot and Galway played Tipperary the last day on and they probably saw that maybe working for Tipperary. But for me, like... I don't know if you're going, you'd never see Limerick, for example, doing that. They have a set game plan. Like, I mean, I'm sure David Burke, I've never, well, I've never seen him playing inside. Well, Joe, Joe Canning would want different ball than Con Cannon or, or, or Connor Cooney. And then you have, you don't, not really sure what kind of ball David Burke would want in there. And it's like, what way are we playing? Or do you have to switch your brain, you know, based on who now has moved inside in the two man full forward line? I thought they maybe overthought that rotating stuff a bit too much. Yeah, see, you know, when Tip on the All-Ireland 
2016 and, and last year, you know, that's what they were doing. But like Tip have, have probably six fours that are very similar um, to each yeah. other. So they can allow to do that. But as you said, if you have David Burke in, in, in the car for that, I never seen him playing it there. It was always half forward or midfield, maybe. You know, what kind of ball does he like in there? You know, does he want the ball out to the side, run out to him? Is he good, good enough in the air to throw it in high to him? You know, I don't know. But like, if you bring Concanon and Connor Wheel in there, you know, what ball are you going in? You're, you're hitting the low ball, you know. But, like, as you said, you know, are they doing it for the sake of doing it, just to switch things around? You know, you'd have to ask the question, like, what kind of a game plan do our Galway play and what kind of a game plan do they want to play? Uh, because yeah. definitely David Burke in, in, in the inside lane, you know, to me, doesn't make sense. Um, if, if, if I was going to do it, it'd be Connor Whelan and bring a cannon in there and try and, you know, try and fit the player, try and get away from the have the yeah. legs and they're able to take their man on, you know, they're strong enough to take their man on and, and, and go out that way. But like, you know, you'd have to, I'm sure, that, you know, Shane O'Neill will be looking back over and it was probably a difficult year, as I said earlier on, for him to come in and try and get a good game plan or, or one that he wanted to play with Galway try and implement it but you know I'm sure it'll be a different game plan next year yeah. when he, yeah. no, when he I, this year at times with that lads you're, you're, you could be running around in circles you know and especially Conor Cooney and David Burke they'd be on the ball and at times like if that works jeez yeah, lads are tactical genies to say but don't work yeah. as a player you're coming off saying I didn't get a tap I never got a set position I can't never, get into it you yeah. know what I mean uh, no and every player I don't care who you are needs to know uh, whereabouts you're going to be. Like we we often try that past them, but what worked for us was the corner forwards always swapping. And that guy, but then you're roughly in the same area, and it's roughly the same type of player, like class or whatever, and you're getting that ball into certain areas, like that ball out in front, like Desi Hudson, and then that would work because the corner forwards are constantly on the move. Like they don't, I think Kip done that definitely in '16. Oh, and then they would the space yeah. in front of uh, the cornerbacks and Callan and destroyed Kenny, you know. But when everyone's moving, you're never getting a feel for an area or a position, like you know. Yeah, and the, the one thing as well, I'll throw this to you, Ken, is that to do it against Limerick, it doesn't make sense because it's probably rotating the forwards is a tactic you use to try and drag defenders out into positions that they don't want to be in if you're told to man-mark. Sure, Limerick, we know, just leave their players in their own positions and you're, you're running around meeting a new lad and he hasn't really followed you. You know, we saw that with Tony yeah. Kelly. Yeah, look, that's what happened. Look, and, and, and look, we, we played against Kenny, uh, the, the great Kenny team. They've done the same. Uh, if you do a bunch of break thing with a lot of teams are doing now, any lads would just stay in their positions. You just run into them. You know? so, <laughs> yeah. it, it, like I, I, I honestly, I don't want to tell you. Yeah, it's Tommy, uh, Brian Hogan, JJ, and they just be communicating. They be fellas run over. So you're actually a half break before you get to your position, and the lads are just winning the ball. You know, so at times you can really run around like a fool. Uh, especially look when you have a team that's uh, so solid and 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 so understanding of what way their their positions are and how they're playing the game. Um, look, if it works, it works. You're grateful if it don't work, uh, which it didn't at times yesterday, especially not times, but for certain players, they were not in the game and they're big players. Like, I would rate Conor Cooney and David Burke. Obviously, David Burke was a fantastic player for years for Galway. But Conor Cooney, be a player, I would love to have more in the game because he has all the hurling, but he yeah. just lost soul coming off down yesterday. He did now, he did. He looked like a, a beaten docket as such, you know, and he's, you know, like he needs, he's a player in his 20s that needed to be standing up and showing. Uh, what he's about but he just couldn't get into the game either you know No he couldn't get into the game uh, at all I'll finish up on the puckouts here what do you make of Ian Murphy Owen like I mean he made, made a few great saves he he overdoes the, the trying to put it through the pin of a needle like I mean you when you look at it Owen he had yesterday he had 43 puckouts 
Um, Galway won 29 of them. They lost 14 of them. Now, if you're constantly trying to pick out a perfect pass over the course of 43 pokeouts, they, you know, when these when these short ones break down, there's nearly always a point off them because you're losing it in your half back line or you know in midfield. Whereas at least if you lose a long one, you, it's it's not a it's not an immediate point. Yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying, but like everything is based on possession now, Uli, you know. But like I think Anna Murphy takes too many chances now for my like, you know. As you said, he tries to put it in into the eye of a needle, and you know sometimes it's it's just not on. Um, like he he tried to play he played one one yesterday out short to the corner back he took it back and then he tried to play another short one and Seamus hit Seamus Seamus Flanagan or Graham Mulcahy's hurl oh yeah stopped and Graham Mulcahy missed the missed the rise it was a certain goal you know like it's just crazy stuff like you know if you're you're hitting the corner back and you're getting it back the next one has to be lamped down the field and leave it up to the forwards to to run you can't play one short and then try and go another short. You know, it's just too risky for me. You know, like Owen Murphy is brilliant at the sharp hooking. You know, I made a couple of mistakes as well the other night, but like they have to be, you know, you need a small bit of space there. It can't be in between, you know, three foot of space and train. Like most of them were caught out. And if, you, if you're cutting out the sharp hookers, then hitting the back order of that, it's just draining confidence out of, out of the team then as well. But like you took too, way too many, way too many chances now for me, like in yesterday. You know, that has to be something that they improve on as well next year. Yeah. Again, you know, you need to have the half-hour lane that's able to win their own ball if you're going to poke it long because if you keep poking the ball long and you keep that wiped out, you know, you're not going to win the whole of that theatre. That, that's the thing I suppose Ken maybe there should be a rule and say that if we concede a point don't go short on the next one because the last thing we want is to be you know a double score coming and and that really does drain the confidence I don't know like what percentages should go long or short if you go short all the time the other team is switched on and they're they're zonally marking and they're all tuned in whereas if you go long for maybe four in a row maybe these lads will switch off and you get a real handy short one yeah look you have to mix it up look I said suppose in our day everything was long uh, I suppose the end of my career probably a couple of short stuff started to come into it and uh, like I I think definitely Aina Murphy took look someone is risky so risky like it was so tight some of the balls that he was trying to give like if cut, I think I, I'd love to know what was actually uh, scored from resulting from say poor puck outs or cut puckets that were were, 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 uh, were caught out you know because like I, if I as a defender if someone, if a team got a score on us, the last thing I'd want is a short pucker to give that, just to give the chance, get the ball up into the forward line. But as Owen said, and this is where the problem is, uh, if the four, half forward are not even remotely winning the ball, you're wasting your time pucking the ball up, you know. So then the ball is coming back down just as quick yeah. or even in more dangerous positions. So it's just giving that pass. I know, look, it's so risky and you have to be comfortable. I didn't think some of the players that were receiving the ball yesterday from Galway wanted it. And that was probably a lot of the problem as well. Uh, certain teams have players that will take it and take it all day, but some of the lads didn't seem to want it. Yes, and they were bouncing at their feet one or two balls as well. And you know yourself, uh, that's just a tricky ball to get. And knowing yourself that everyone's coming at you because you know you're getting that ball. You know, so it's uh, look uh, the pocket strategy has gone so big in the game nowadays. It was in our game, it was pumping up the pitch, getting away from you know. But it, it's so different now. Uh, it, it's just a massive, massive part of the game, and getting that right. But with a forward that can win their own ball is probably the key for everyone. Yeah. Nicky, Nicky Quaid, uh, his go-to pressure puckout seems to be to just launch it down onto Garod Hegarty. Is it on? Like, I mean, yes, in the second half when the shit was hitting the fan, he he didn't seem to be messing around. A lot of them were going down there. 
Yeah, but the difference is, Willie, like, Garrod Hegarty is able to pick up his hand and, and, and grab it. You know, that's the difference. And, yeah. You know, it's like like we played we played a club game, club semi-final against Pally uh, Hale Shamrocks this year. We had him under pressure for probably 55 minutes and, and next thing, you know, the, the goal team and the goalkeeper just pumps the ball down on top of TJ Reid. He grabs it, hits it into Colin Fenley, goal, and, and Shamrocks go on and win the game. That's, you know, that's the difference. Like, you have a, when you have someone like someone like Carol O'Leary, TJ Reid, you can you can pump down the them. But if you don't have a lad on a half hour line that can win a win a, win a ball, win draw a ball, then you're in trouble. But like Ken touched on, you need to mix up these things because you know I'll go back to 2006. Carp were after bringing in the Shark running game, and you know like we zoned in on them. We knew exactly what they had done. You know, and that's what teams are doing now. It's becoming more and more, you know, stats and video analysis and all of that. If you have, if you do one thing, you know, if you go short all the time, you know, the team is going to push up and you're going to force it here long. If you're going long all the time, you know, teams are going to drift back and they're going to clog that area. So it needs to be mixed up. You know, a few short here, a few, a few long there, and you know, keep the team guessing. Then keep the, other, the opposition guessing, and that's what needs to be done. You know, they can't know what you're going to do. That's the whole point of it. So it needs to be mixed up, but definitely Anna Murphy needs to improve the, the sharp puckouts and, and not make as many mistakes on it, I think. Yeah, he definitely does. Come here, Ken. We're going to let you go. I know you're under pressure today. Yeah, grand, grand. No problem. No problem, lads. Thanks very much. Yeah, I think performance of the weekend will go to Tom Morrissey, um, Owen. He's a funny enough wing forward, Owen, in that he's not in winning the same type of ball as Garrod Hegarty. He's getting on the end of everything. A lot of his points just come from handy hand passes where he's just kind of, he's 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 predicted something might happen or he's drifted into a space or, do you know that kind of a way? He, he's getting similar amount of scores to Garrod Hegarty, but he's not, he's not in the game the same way Garrod Hegarty is. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses his head a lot more, and well, it's hard to find a player like that that can find pockets of space like that. You know, that's like that's crucial to a to a team like Limerick. That you know, when they do win the dirty ball, you know, they have someone outside that they can pop it out. And like lots of the Limerick players, Aaron Galan is very good at it as well. Now, don't get me wrong; he's very good at winning the dirty ball as well. But he he's able to find pockets of space around the around the place that that you know when they do win is. It's just a pop pass, and next thing it's a pint. He has two or three yards on his man, and, and, and it's a pint. But like Tom Morris, he's a very kind of unorthodox kind of hurler. You know, he's up and down the up and down the, the wing, and you know, maybe he pops into centre forward where we spoke about that Declan Hannon pint. That's where he was. He was at centre forward for yeah. that one, and it was him that popped the popped it to Declan Hannon over the bar. You know, but like he's a phenomenal player, and like the, the physique of. You know, you said he doesn't get involved in it, but by God, he works so hard, you know, hooking and blocking and that kind of thing. You know, he deserves he deserves to take a step back out with a dirty ball in and get handed out, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And get you know, when he doesn't have the ball, he is working his socks off, you know, up and down that, that line. And, you know, he gives, he gives great protection for the half-back line as well that, you know, they know he's working up and down there. So the likes of Kyle Hayes, the likes of Dara Burns, Declan Hannon can, you know, thunder up the field and, and attack and when they know Tom Morrissey is covered as well. But like he was he was unbelievable yesterday. I think he got five points from player, which is phenomenal in an honor semi final. Yeah, and he missed one that he would put over nine times out of ten as well, which would have been would have been six. That was at a at a crucial stage of the game as well. Come here, just talk about how good Limerick are here, Owen. I know you've kind of mentioned we won't talk about the All Ireland final now, but you're looking at back to back monster champions. We know how difficult that is. 
back to back All Ireland or back to back National League champions. They are going for their second All Ireland in three years. And let's be honest now, Galway are no slouches who beat Tipperary, but you're looking at like Limerick 20 points from play yesterday, Galway 10. Galway stayed in it, you know, with a, a lot of freeze. Limerick, Galway were hanging on against Limerick. Like, are, are, are Limerick stretching away from the pack? They hammer Tipperary. Now, I know Kilkenny caught them last year, but you'd fancy Limerick maybe four times out of five against Kilkenny. Is, is there, could, there be a, could a gap develop between Limerick and the rest? Yeah, it definitely could. Now, the other thing is, I don't think Limerick are firing on cylinders at the moment. I think Limerick have started the year to win it. I just thought, you know, they were, they were a fantastic team and they have five or six or seven men, you know, as good as the others on the sideline and, you know, they all make an impact when they come in and, you know, we've seen that, like, Sunday that Shannon Flanagan started for Peter Casey and, you know, it was like, it was like nothing had changed. But I don't think they're firing on all cylinders, but definitely if they can get their act together, um, you know, for the next, you know, the All-Ireland final and then kick on again next year. But it's hard, Willie, you know. it Mentally, it takes a toll on you when, you, you know, you're training that hard and, um, you know, to keep to keep the focus, to keep, you know, keep the intensity up. It's it's yeah. hard going to keep it going. But it could, you know, they have the ability to do it. They have the ability, to, you know, they seem to have the mental attitude that, you know, they want to keep going and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, they do have the hurlers to... to to get the gap opened up if if that's what they choose to do. But like like I say, it becomes becomes hard work after two or three years. You know, if they don't win the All Ireland in a couple of weeks time, then it then it, then it becomes hard work to, to try and keep going, you know. Will they want to change the game plan, you know, will they want to change change the management management teams and all that kind of stuff. And and then you might have, you know, a couple of retirements as well. And you know there's a couple of them there that are, you know, reaching up to about thirty. So um you know, this year, they'll have to win this year for them to maybe kick on again next year. But I don't think they're firing on all cylinders like they were, you know, at this time last year before Kilkenny come. You yeah. know, I thought they were a much better team this time last year before Kilkenny come. And, you know, they come on the hop last year, really, you know, just caught and cold. I think Liberty probably thought to just turn up and, and beat Kilkenny. And, you know, when you're slightly off and the other team are slightly above, slightly above what they normally be, you know, then then things can go wrong. And I think that's what happened with Kilkenny last year. Was, you know, they're a fantastic team. There's no doubt in that. And, you know, fantastic hurlers all over the place. But they need to find form and find it very quickly. I, I think there's similarities between them and the team you played on in that they have a manager who has a lot of steel about him but never gets carried away. You know, you don't start thinking, you know, they're going to they're going to be world beaters after listening to John Kiley. They have huge competition for places and good subs to come in. You know, I say the A versus B games are, are unreal and there's no player... Sure. Now, look, Dan Morrissey now is an option for full back and, and, or, and Nash corner back, you know, and Kyle Hayes now wing back. They have a whole load of ways they can change their team around. And like, I mean, I don't know, like, I mean, you're looking at the All-Ireland champions Tipperary last year and they've been destroyed by Limerick two years, two years in a row. Like you're looking at, like I said, Galway just hanging on. I think that they do have a lot of similarities with G. What, what was it that kept G going year after year then? Like, I mean, we know, was it was it all down to Cody or was it down to being afraid of getting dropped or what? Yeah, it was, it was a bit of both, I suppose. Uh, you were afraid of getting dropped, but I think we had a good, and I think Limerick had this as well, we had a good spirit. Uh, I know like people are laughing uh, when they hear Brian Coley talking about spirit, but like we were all friendly. You know, we wanted to do it for, for you know, the next lap beside us more so than we wanted to do it for us, and we were afraid to let him down. 
Um, and then you'd be afraid to let Brian Cody down. But Limerick seemed to have that as well. You see, I seen him after the match yesterday, and there were, you know, the smiles on their faces. They were delighted for the lad. You know, Sean Finn was hugging Garrow and Hagerty and smiling. It was just, you know, it was just nearly saying, you know, we done that for you. And he was saying the, the opposite. To, they seem to have a good cohesion in the group, and they, you know, they look like they're all enjoying themselves. And, but like as I said, their hurling is not there, but their work rate is still there in abundance. They work so hard. And, and that was the thing that kind of made us successful as well. You know, every one of the team and, and whoever was coming on, you know, first of all, we were going to work like savages to, to win the ball. And, and more often than not, then, you know, if things weren't flowing for us hurling wise, the work was getting us over the line. And, yeah. and that's all Limerick are doing at the moment. The, that's the another compa- that's another comparison, yeah, between you, you and them, yeah. the work, the, that work rate. Yeah, they have it all over the field, and you know the hurling maybe is not as sharp as it was this time last year, but they are still working so hard, as you said, and they're still getting twenty points from play. You know, minimum twenty points from play, I suppose, in, in every game as well. So, like, they have the beatings of every team in the country at the moment, and you know, once that hurling starts to click again, they're going to be a serious team to try and stop. Yeah, no, they definitely will. There's no doubt about that. Right, so Tom Morrissey, performance of the weekend um, in that match. And we'll leave it there. Owen, we'll be back and we'll preview the All-Ireland Final. Well, we'll do a show this Thursday and then obviously we'll be previewing the big one, the All-Ireland Final. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm I'm heartbroken. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.